Hey man, sports is in full swing. As you know, the NBA Finals going on, Major League Baseball, a ton of playoff action in baseball, and of course the NFL and college football going. So it's time for you to get in the game by playing the Bet Monarch app. It's so easy to use. Download the Bet Monarch app in the Apple App Store for Apple devices or on Monarch Casino's website, monarchblackhawk.com for Android devices. And another wonderful thing, every wage earns comps for use on the Monarch Casino property up in Blackhawk. They have a gorgeous facility up there. So go up to the casino. But if you can't get up there and you want to get into the game from the comfort of home, it's really simple. Just head on over to the Bet Monarch app. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, Drew has some in-depth analysis on what went wrong for the Rockies this year and his thoughts on the future of Nolan Arenado. I don't think in his heart of hearts he knows fully what he wants to do at the conclusion of 2021. And part one of Drew's interview with manager Bud Black. You know, we just couldn't get any offensive momentum from, you know, most of our players. And then the bullpen had their struggles. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. See, I talked to my man, Marky, and welcome officially to uh, podcast number 64. I'll tell you off the bat, Julie's got the uh, weekend off. But here's the deal. I wanted something uplifting that makes me feel good. And I was thinking, what song would make me feel really good to start the day? It's uh, Thursday morning as uh, I tape this. And you know what it is? It's Wagon Wheel by one of my favorite performers, Darius Rocker. Loved him with Hootie and the Blowfish. In fact, I've seen Hootie and the Blowfish a number of times in concert. What a great show. And so my man, Marky, who edits and does such a wonderful job every week putting this show together, played his little Wagon Wheel. And now I'm in a much better mood. It's awesome. A lot going on uh, in the world of sports and particularly with baseball. The Rocky season has come to a close, an unceremonious close. Uh, as we know, they didn't make the playoffs. And, and it especially hurts when you start 11-3. and three. And Julie and I were discussing that last week. You have an expanded playoff field, three more teams going in, in each league, and you start 11-3 and three and don't make it. Um, you know, profoundly disappointing. But we kind of went over that um, last week. So I wanted to uh, touch on a few things this week um, in terms of where the Rockies are, where they're potentially going, and some areas that need, you know, a major fixing, if you will. What we're going to do on the uh, next little bit on this podcast, I'll tell you, uh, first and foremost, we're going to hear from Buddy Black over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Buddy, um, did a long uh, interview with me uh, a day or two ago. So we'll hear from Buddy and get his perspective on the 2020 season and also peeking ahead to where they feel they need to get better in 2021. He talks about individuals. He talks about collective things as well. I think you'll find that um, very interesting. We're going to talk about some of the things that um, I get asked uh, a fair amount either in person or on social media that I find curious, and I put curious in air quotes because sometimes it um, is a little, I don't know, strange may be the word, or not, maybe it's, it's more, um, I'm, I'm perplexed why people ask certain things. Certain questions are great. Get to meet a lot of wonderful people, and people ask great questions and love to talk about the Rockies. In fact, every time I'm uh, going over to uh, where I work out at um, Lifetime 
fitness down in Centennial. I, I have uh, various conversations with a lot of people about uh, sports in general and the Rockies specifically, and I love having those conversations for all those people who come up. I appreciate it. But we'll get to some of those things uh, in a little bit, and we'll also talk about three key Rockies going forward today as we begin to look toward the offseason and um, we'll also break down a couple of statistics that turned out to be rather damning when you look at the Rockies in 2020. Also, we'll talk about something I really miss, and that we'll do uh, a little bit later on uh, in the podcast. So let me begin here with some players that are on everybody's mind as we look toward 2021. Let's begin with the the small elephant in the room, and that's Nolan Arenado. And it's been a conversation now for the better part of a year. Should the Rockies trade him? He uh, has, has some sort of um, rift with Jeff Breidich, whether it is overblown or not. I have no idea. Uh, but it has been a topic of conversation now for many months. Should they trade him? Will they trade him? He can opt out after the 2021 season. Will he opt out? Here's how I look at this situation with Nolan Arenado. I think from the Rockies' perspective, they have to uh, do all they can to sit down and, first of all, try to repair the relationship if there is, um, in fact, uh, issues that that should be talked out. That to me is, I don't care what your business is, whether it's family, whether it is a a baseball team, whether it's a company, sit down, have some conversations, find out where each one is and um, repair them or agree to disagree and move forward. But the Rockies also have to find out what is on his mind. Where is he in terms of uh, how he perceives Uh, his career and where he wants it to go and who he wants to perform for. If the Rockies feel comfortable that, yeah, he wants to stay a Rocky and, and fulfill the, you know, number of years left that will ultimately pay him over $260 million. In my mind, you keep him and, and you build from there. If he gives a strong indication that he wants to test the open market again and become a free agent, that changes everything. That changes the entire offseason and how you proceed. I also think overall, you have to determine, are you close enough to contending to be a world champion? Or do you feel like you are on the other side of it where to get to that level you really have to do some form of a rebuild. That's always the sixty-four, not thousand dollar question. It's like the six hundred and forty million dollar question these days, right? Um, so the way my perception of it is, when you don't make the playoffs and there are eight teams, you're certainly in the bottom half of the league. Can that change rapidly? In certain circumstances, it can. In other circumstances, it probably is illogical to think, oh, you have a team that contend, can contend if you finished under 500 in a season where if you were at 500, you'd have a, a, a ticket to play in the postseason. I think the Rockies, because of their rotation, actually do not have to be that far away. Amazingly, their biggest issue lies offensively right now. 
You take their rotation and their top three, looking at various metrics, they had one of the top rotations in all of baseball, which is has really never been said before. When you look at war, wins above replacement, the combination at the top of Herman Marcus, Kyle Freeland, and Antonio Senzatella were three of the top pitchers in terms of one rotation in all of baseball. That's a pretty good foundation, especially if you get John Gray back and and he adds to it and you can supplement that. The other thing I like about those guys, and I knock on wood as I say this, is they have historically been healthy. They have historically uh, been able to post up every fifth day. There's a lot of guys with wonderful talent that can't do that. So that's why I believe, because this sport will always be about pitching. You've heard me pontificate about that in the past. Um, That's why I believe the Rockies don't have to be as far away from getting into a playoff as some other teams that may be finished with a similar record as Colorado. So then you come to offense and bullpen. Those are the two other major areas. I will tell you this because I'm not going to delve far into bullpen in this particular podcast, but bullpens can be fixed relatively quickly, and they also are a variable that seems to change dramatically each year. You see you see a team one year have a bunch of guys that don't perform real well, and the next year they bounce back. I think most relievers sure are like Mariano Rivera. Um, they have good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year, mediocre year, good year, somewhat mediocre year. It's just how it works. I think that is more fixable um, than, and you can do that in the short term uh, much easier than any other element of your baseball team. Now you come to offense, and I'm going to share with you, uh, here's the statistical portion of the show. I'm going to share you with you um, some stats. Uh, at one point, going into the final week of this 60-game truncated season, uh, when you looked at hard hit rate, that is the ball coming off the bat at more than 95 miles an hour. And from the time you're in Little League, you always talk, you know, you, your coach who may not have known anything, the dad down the street, you said, hit the ball hard, Johnny. Hit the ball hard, Billy. Hit the ball hard, Susie. That's what it comes down to, right? You're trying to make hard contact. Well, of the top 10 teams in baseball, this was going into the final week of the uh, regular season, uh, nine of the top 10 teams were headed to the postseason in terms of hard hit contact. The Dodgers were leading everyone at above 43%. They finished it right about 42%. At one point, though it improved a little bit, the Rockies were dead last, 30th in baseball, which is incomprehensible. And that is, again, hard contact. And we watched it play out. There were so many innings that were one, two, three, weak ground ball, punch out, punch out, weak ground ball, pop up, punch out. Um, That has to be addressed. And on one hand, you can say, well, how do you address that? I mean, you're playing the players you play. I do think the Rockies need um, a couple of guys that can hit in the middle of the order that may not wear a Rockies uniform right now. I think they could address it potentially in free agency. The other way you address it naturally is twofold. One, via trade, or one, a young player all of a sudden emerges um, and can be a guy that hits in the middle of the order. 
I think if you were talking to Ryan McMahon right now, he is somebody that leading into the season, you could imagine him being one of those guys. But Ryan would be the first to stand up and say, you know what? I did not have a good year. Um, you know, he finished pretty strong, ends up with nine home runs. Um, but uh, the on-base percentage too low, the the strikeout percentage way too high among the league leaders um, in, in baseball in terms of strikeout percentage. That has to come down. Does he have the ability to do it? Can he turn that corner and turn a mid-35% range uh, of strikeout percentage and move it? It doesn't have to be at the league average of 22%, but can he be a 35-homer guy and be in the 25% strikeout range? Then you have a bona fide guy that hit in the middle of the order. So those are two ways to address it, uh, or three ways, if you will. The improvement of a player that's currently on your roster, i.e. McMahon, who we just talked about, maybe a Sam Hilliard, young player making strides, um, or free agency or via trade. I would love to see the Rockies or some intriguing names again for down the road on other podcasts. We'll talk about some of the free agents that are out there um, that could potentially help the Rockies. So we'll get to that. But that is another area that has to be cleaned up. The strikeout rate, way too high. The walk percentage, way too low. There was about a 17% delta between what the Rockies averaged in strikeouts versus their walk percentage. They struck out at better than a 24% clip, which is higher than the league average by a couple of percentage points. They walked at a 7.1% clip, not to overwhelm you with statistics, but 7.1% was tied for last in baseball. You got to get on base to score runs, and the Rockies did a poor job of that. So those are a couple of areas that uh, offensively they need to focus on. Can some of the answers be internal? Perhaps. But I strongly believe that they have to get some legitimate or at least one, if not two, um, guys that have done it before to uh, enhance this lineup. And we'll, uh, again, on other podcasts, get to some of the names that are potentially out there. All right, segueing to uh, talking about certain specific guys. One guy already did it in, in, in Nolan. I will add this about Nolan. I don't believe that he right now, I don't know the answer to this. I'm not in his head. Uh, it, it's not like he confides in me his deep, dark secrets. But I would almost guarantee as he you know, was sitting in the offseason and rehabbing that shoulder and, and, you know, biding time until he can swing the bat again, which is his favorite thing to do, obviously. Um, I don't think in his heart of hearts he knows fully what he wants to do at the conclusion of 2021. I know this much, he wants to win. But when we say that, I find that sometimes the most ridiculous statement. Oh, he wants to win. Well, no shit. Who doesn't want to win? Anybody that's in athletics at any level who has any ounce of competitiveness in them, they want to win. Of course, Nolan Arenado wants to win. You think he wants to win any more than Trevor Story wants to win or any more than uh, Ryan McMahon wants to win or Tony Walters wants to win or the guy you play pickup hoops with on Saturday? We all want to win. We all want to be in an environment where, yeah, we win a heck of a lot more than we lose, and we feel good about ourselves. Um, so I'm not sure he has any idea where he wants to uh, be a year from now. I, I think he can probably find compelling reasons that he wants to stay with the Rockies. Nothing's guaranteed on the other side. 
And I think he probably at, some, at times can find some reasons where he wants to, you know, start anew somewhere else. So with Nolan, it's TBD, to be determined. Two other guys I want to mention, Ian Desmond. Not a lot's been spoken about Ian Desmond since, you know, he had opted out and it was a story for about 24 hours or so. I know for most Rockies fans, he has been um, on the field of disappointment as you know, wonderful a person as he is, as philanthropic as he is, as classy as he is, what a great leader uh, he is, which most people don't see. And I know uh, for many, they say, well, how does that translate to wins and losses? Um, Ian's done some good things uh, on the field. Uh, you know, has has his play been commensurate with the, the salary? No, of course not. The numbers, the metrics suggest that he has not performed up to where the Rockies had hoped he would perform. The reason I'm bringing him up is he has one year left on his deal. Um, knowing Desi a little bit, I this is pure speculation. I would have no idea. But he sat out this year. He's well into his 30s. He is uh, you know, a great family man. He has five kids now under, I don't know, nine, ten, eight, somewhere in there. His, his three boys. Now he has two little, you know, baby uh, girls. He has just stayed home and been away from baseball for a year. I know he's very involved in the Tampa community. In addition to, uh, you know, doing everything he can to help raise his five kids. So would it shock me if Ian Desmond hung it up completely and said, you know what, I, I've made a ton of money in baseball and and I want to be home full time. I mean, he basically made that decision going into this year. Could he do that and forego his, his last year and $8 million in salary because his salary was constructed in kind of a pyramid form? I, I would guess that's possible. Um, so that's another one that's TBD, to be determined. And the third guy I want to talk about very uh, quickly is Trevor Story, because the Rockies have to take action on Trevor Story. Probably you would guess this offseason or make a run at signing him um, this offseason because he will be a free agent at the end of 2021. And as an organization, you can't arrive at the end of 2021 and see your two best players potentially depart without any any compensation for them. Um, Dick Monfort is exceptionally loyal. Uh, Dick Monfort has great affection in particular for players that grew up and became foundation pieces within the Rockies organization. And Trevor Story is a shining example of that. He was drafted by the Rockies. He was raised a Rocky, and he has become a superstar in a Rockies uniform. Um, he is, as we all know, a class, class act. He is becoming a, a leader in that clubhouse. He leads by his actions on the field. He leads by how he conducts himself. And I uh, would almost guarantee you Dick Monfort does not want to see Trevor Story leave. Then it comes down to finances. You have one enormous contract, obviously, in Nolan. Can the Rockies potentially afford another? Again, this falls under the category of, of to be determined. The Rockies did have a number of contracts coming off the book. Um, Dick Monfort was uh, you know, forthright in saying uh, a year ago he wasn't going to spend uh, any money in, in free agency. 
because they they're they were already at the top of their budget. Um, but he alluded to the offseason of 2020, saying that there were a number of contracts coming off the books and the Rockies could potentially be more active. How much has changed because of COVID and the fact that all these owners you know, weren't able to sell any tickets and sell any beers and hot dogs, et cetera? Uh, we'll find out because they're all in that same boat. And you know how, how much uh, does it cost for a player – in 2021 after COVID as opposed to what it may have cost uh, a year prior. But those, those three guys are, are very key um, to the Rockies offseason, especially Nolan and Trevor, without question. Um, I, I mentioned Ian Desmond because we hadn't talked much about him in a while, so I wanted to throw him out there. All right. Before we get to uh, Buddy Black and a couple of other topics, it is time to tell you about – Two clients of ours that have been wonderful to us and are wonderful, I'm sure, for you as well if you've gone and seen them. First of all, how about steel? Steel power tools. I was telling you last week, I was up with my dad's doing a project. If you have any project around the house and you don't have a power equipment from steel, you're missing out. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. They have over 9,000 steel dealers. So there's one right around the corner for for you and to help you out, whether it's a battery, electric, or gas-powered um, things, whether it's a blower, chainsaw, trimmers. You got to go get them, man. They're easy to use. They're lightweight. They're heavy duty. Not only do they take care of weekend warriors like me and you, but they also have a ton of commercial clients uh, around the world. They're outstanding. Go to steelusa.com. That's S-T-I-H-L, steelusa.com to find a dealer near you. Hey, woke up today and worked out naturally. And then as I had breakfast, I had my Boyer's coffee. Doesn't that sound delicious? If uh, you are in the market for coffee, and we always are, and you want to make it really simple, here's what you do. Go to the website, boyerscoffee.com, and you can order all kinds of uh, wonderful flavors like hazelnut, French vanilla, the Denver blend, butterscotch toffee, southern pecan. They have uh, a long list. And uh, while you're at it, sign up and get on their email list. They'll keep you updated on all of their new flavors. Uh, Every week, you get a great offer. You can buy two bags and get one free, and they have other great discounts as well. I'm a carrot guy, so uh, get your Boyer's uh, coffee uh, over at your local market or Sam's Club or Walmart. Boyer's Coffee. They're terrific. So make sure you pick up your Boyer's Coffee this week. Well, it's time for our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week and had an opportunity uh, to visit with Buddy Black as he uh, drove back to California from his Denver home. And we talked uh, all things Rockies. Well, buddy, I imagine it's cathartic. You're kind of on that uh, on that long drive back from uh, from your home in Denver to your home on the West Coast, and to be able to uh, you know let your hair down and let the mind go as you look at the sights. That's probably a, a good thing. I would I would assume. Well, it is, Drew. Uh, you know, I've I've done this now for a couple of years. Uh, you know, I'm on the road, and it gives you time to reflect. Uh, you know, you know. Every day we we talk baseball. We talk about our team. We talk about where we are. But 
you know, post-last <clears throat> post game, I think you sort of look at the real big picture and and truly what went right, what went wrong, uh, and you, you start immediately thinking about next year uh, in the in the big picture and also, you know, what you have to do here short-term in the next few weeks to to get things rolling for next year. But, you know, I think I've always, uh, you know, enjoyed uh, – you know whether it's after a successful season or a tough one that that time alone for a couple of days making this drive yeah it's 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 got you got to unwind you have to find a way to unwind buddy this is a strange one uh, there's no question uh, and you articulated this in the in the waning days of the season this year was disappointing what level <laughs> in a strange way of disappointing was it in that you had an expanded playoff field. You got off to the marvelous start. Uh, did it? Did it make it even more so? You know, if you if you were to grade, I suppose the level of disappointment. Well, it's always disappointing, no matter you know the you know depending on where you are in your organization uh, in your in the organization plans of what you feel the expectation is. You know, we felt as though coming back from seventeen and eighteen that. You know, we were just going to continue, uh, you know, be a playoff team in, in 19. And, you know, obviously I think that, that season was uh, was disappointing that we didn't pitch as well as we did the previous two years. And I thought we uh, I thought we had the talent. But then we got injured and, you know, we just couldn't hang on from mid-August till uh, the end of the year. And, you know, that's a lot of baseball from mid-August to September. You know, this year, uh, again, I thought that, you know, we had the makings to, you know, to be a contending team, to to be a, a playoff team, and I thought we had a great summer camp. I thought everything went well. Uh, we, we, we were healthy. We went into this, uh, we went into this, you know, unique season in a really good frame of mind, and it, and it showed uh, in our play. Uh, you know, we pitched extremely well out of the gate. Uh, 11 and 3 drew. Our bullpen was fantastic. Our starters were doing their job. Uh, you know, Charlie got off to a great start and sort of carried us, uh, you know, in a lot of ways on his shoulders those first couple weeks because, you know, offensively we, we weren't doing much. And then from that point on, you know, we just couldn't get any offensive momentum from, you know, most of our players. Uh, we continued to starting pitch fairly well, and then the bullpen had their struggles, and I, you know, and that, you know, that frustrated, uh, you know, me and the pitching coaches because, you know, we liked the names, we liked the guys, we liked how they were filled, but it was just too variable. And, and I think a lot of teams will tell you if you have a variable bullpen, uh, it's going to be rough. Uh, the Phillies, uh, the the Astros. Uh, you know, some of the other teams that, uh, you know, were thought to uh, be contenders, you know, had tough years out of the pan. That made it tough. So I think the frustrating, the frustrating part was, you know, our inability to sort of pull it all together offensively and, and the back end of our bullpen. Uh, that was the, that was the disappointing part for me and the coaches that we couldn't. Uh, you know, we couldn't as a group help turn that around. You know, it, it's interesting because historically, uh, especially given that you, you played altitude at Coors Field, the offensive numbers have been there at home and not on the road. The offensive numbers were decidedly mediocre even at home, 
and, and clearly, you know, not good enough on the road, even though you had a better road record than, than home record. In this era of home runs, buddy, um, and I, I looked at this this morning, the top eight teams in home runs in Major League Baseball are all playoff teams. Um, do, do you almost have to uh, go that route in terms of configuring your offense, especially given where you play, that you need more thump in, in your lineup, or do you think there's another way to, to skin the cat? Yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. I think. Well, first of all, I think there's there's more ways to skin the cat. I, I, I think in our park, you know, homers are big because uh, you know altitude plays. Uh, in, in our games, uh, the other teams that have power, the the power plays. And I think going in, I mean, we have home run hitter. We have guys with home run potential. I mean, obviously what Nolan's done in his career, uh, Trevor's home run ability, uh, Charlie's home run ability, and some of our other younger players who are coming up with some power. Uh, this year, uh, it just didn't happen. And maybe it's just one of those years in a 60-game season that, you know, guys just couldn't really get on track. And I think what happens to the bigger picture of all of baseball, I think the, you know, the the, the home runs are up, uh, the strikeouts are, are up. So, uh, you know, putting the ball in play uh, has become, you know, less of a, uh, you know, less of a, a part of this game, right? I mean, there's, so when you do put it in play, if you get a bunch of singles, that doesn't do you much good because you're striking out a lot. And you have those teams that that, that do hit homers. That's where the that's where the runs are coming from. So, you know, for me, it's a you know it's a it's always an ongoing thing of you know you preach less strikeouts, uh, you know you preach on you preach on base percentage because. Uh, you know, that's where uh, the scoring is going to come. The more guys you get on base, the more you're going to score. Uh, you know, that's what we're talking about in the industry. Uh, when I'm talking to other managers and coaches and general managers, it's, it's how to go about it. Uh, you know, power is hard to come by. Uh, you know, a lot of times you got to, on the other end of power, you got to play defense. And a lot of times, you know, big power hitters aren't great defenders. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Uh, there's a lot of ways to dissect it. But as it relates to, uh, you know, the industry, I think it's it's great to have a blend. You got, I think it's great to have speed, power, guys who get on base, guys who hit for average, because I think that's your that's your best way to win playoff games. That's your best way to win against good teams. I mean, you you've got to have that. So uh, specifically to us this season, uh, you know, we didn't hit for much power, and our on base percentage wasn't that great. Let me let me ask you, buddy, about um, young players because nothing's more exciting to a fan base or probably even to a to a coaching staff uh, than when you have some young talent and, and you want to see what they evolve into. But it also can be frightening because you can you know assume or maybe over evaluate where you think a player will get to early in their career. Did we maybe see some of that with this year's Rockies? Well, uh, you know, I think. I don't know whether over evaluation is the is the right is the right term because I do think most young players uh, eventually in time become the player that you think they're going to be. Uh, it might not happen in the in the first three months of their career or the first year or the first couple of years. You know, sometimes it takes 
multiple years and some, sometimes four or five years for them to fully realize their potential. And, uh, you know, the, the reason that organizations talk about the young players because they are talented and you see that in them and you, and you compare that to, you know, what you've seen in the past and you know it's going to happen at some point. So uh, as far as, you know, our group, we have some young talent. Uh, you know, this year it, it didn't play out on the field, but I do know in time uh, these guys are going to be very, very solid big league players and, and contributors and, uh, you know, and do, what, and do what their talent allows them to do. More with the skipper, Buddy Black, in a moment. But I want to tell you about our friends at Ideal Home Loans. Been involved with them for a number of years. They are terrific at lending money. They make it very simple. They're experts at what they do. They have so many repeat customers over the last 20 years because of that simple reason. They make it easy. They make it fun for you to be involved in such a strenuous and stressful uh, procedure ordinarily. Give them a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. If you're in the market for a new home, if you want to refinance, if you want to consolidate debt, give Ideal Home Loans a call. Hey, you may not be sure that you can save money. It's free. Give them a call and they're going to walk you through the process and you may find out you could save lots and lots of money. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. And now back to our interview with Buddy Black. Coming off of 17 and 18, two playoff years, 18, you're, you're tied for the you know division lead after 162, as we all know, with the Dodgers. And then 19 uh, was a down year. Can you look at the 60 games this year and evaluate them accurately, or, or is there also a danger in being dismissive and saying, well, it was 60 games, and had we played 162, we feel that our talent would have borne out a different result? Well, uh, it's a combination of both. I think 60 games is a pretty good indicator. And then I think with that, you look at what went right and what, uh, and what, and what went wrong. I think you, you can look at the starting pitching and think, okay, uh, Marquez, uh, Freeland bounced back, Sensatella bounced back. Uh, you know, I think John Gray's been fairly consistent. Uh, he ended up getting injured at the end, so he didn't finish the season. But with those four guys, I think if you can project, uh, some sort of consistent performance that you know, good teams have. Uh, the bullpen, you can look at, I think, the overall uh, 60 games of Bard and Almonte and say, okay, can those guys do it again ne- next year? Then you look at uh, Kinley, Estevez, Diaz. You know, they had sort of a rough year, but they had good years in 18 and in 19. Can they bounce back? So it, 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 it all depends on, you know how you look at it, and the and the and the variability of some pitching. Uh, offensively, uh, position player wise, uh, I think you can count on a number of guys being uh, who they are uh, moving forward. I think you know Nolan had a tough year, and it was probably obviously because of uh, you know the the nagging bothersome shoulder situation that just couldn't really let him do what he needed to do with his swing. Uh, Trevor was solid. You know, I think, you know, Chuck, I think you can count on Chuck. And then uh, you look at the rest of the group, you know, can, can they 
fulfill their potential? I mean, that's the, that's the big question. And if they do, you're talking about a, a, a roster that could potentially do some things. And that's the, you know, that's the million dollar question in all this. Uh, you know, how are they going to play? And I think it's, you know, there's the, uh, there's the positive spin of, uh, yeah, they can do it because they've done it before and the young players have the talent. And then on the other side, well, I, you know, you're not sure. So, I don't know, uh, Drew. It's always that's always the the. It's why we talk about our game, and that's and I say it all the time. That's why we play to find out. But I would like to think that uh, you know we're more the team that uh, can contend than than the team that cannot. Uh, and again, these are conversations that are multi-layered and involve you know ownership and front office. And in, in, in addition to you, is there a way to augment potentially this off season, which is a different off season? You have money coming off the books, but of course, um, nobody uh, you know ownership uh, throughout baseball were hurt significantly by by the fact that you couldn't have fans in the stands and concessions, et cetera. Um, is there a way, you know, if you're a Rocky fan to feel like there's a way to augment what you already have and maybe make, you know, a significant move, whether it be free agency or otherwise to, to upgrade where you are right now? Uh, I, I think so because, you know, all 30 teams are sort of, you know, somewhat in the, in the same boat again, you, you look at it, there's, uh, you know, every, you know, all teams had no fans. They had, you know, obviously losses of revenue. And there's some bigger market teams that are better positioned just because of the market they play in. That's, you know, the Dodgers went out and, you know, got Mookie Betts, signed him to do a big deal, knowing what was going to happen here in, uh, you know, in, in 2020. So, uh, again, I, I, I think there is some uh, room for creativity, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the offseason, in the marketplace for, for teams. Uh, and I know that we'll explore that for sure. I know that, uh, again, I think there's a natural change of the roster that happens, uh, you know, every year, regardless of, uh, of what you did the year before. Uh, this year, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there, there are some constraints. There's no doubt about it. You know, all teams are feeling those constraints, but that's not going to stop general managers from, from being creative. I think, I think we saw that at the trade deadline. How much activity there was, uh, you know, just after 30 games, and and all the moves that were made, and and the things that we did, bringing in Michael Gibbons and bringing in Pilar, uh, two needs that we uh, accomplished through a trade. I uh, thought our front office did a great job there of adding those two guys, and and really those guys did their part to to help us, uh, you know, to help us in September. So again, I think there there is. Uh, there are ways to do it uh, just because I think everybody's sort of in the same boat. How would you prioritize your needs right now, buddy? You talked a lot about the offense. You talked significantly about, you know, the bullpen and certain, you know, certain guys obviously perform well, Bard, Almonte, but how would you prioritize your needs for 2021? Well, I, I think a couple of things, uh, you know, I think you, I, I think you always have to look at the pitching, uh, you know, especially uh, for us, uh, that depth, component uh whether it's in the rotation or and also in the bullpen i think you know obviously i think we need some uh you know some left-handedness uh in our bullpen to to help us there i think that's uh 
you know, something that uh, Jeff and his guys are going to address. Uh, but I think you you always have to I think you always have to start with the pitching, and and add to that and add as much quality as you can and and that's uh, you know that's no secret for all teams. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the power, uh, you know whether that can happen or not. I think that uh, you know this year we're a little bit down in that in that category, a little bit down in the slugging percentage. So you know if we could get a uh, another bat that maybe. Uh, can add some thump to our lineup, uh, you know, that will help too. Thanks to Buddy, and we'll have part two of that interview on next week's podcast. All right, I want to um, throw a couple things out there. I get questions periodically um, in person, as I mentioned, and on social media. And I think one of the most uh, frequent questions I get, especially in the off season, people will come and say, "Hey, man, are you are you just like in withdrawal symptoms with without baseball?" This year it is different in terms of how I would answer that because the season was abbreviated and didn't start until the latter part of July. You're you're basically two months in, and you're feeling like, okay, there there should be a lot more baseball to call. And I'm so fortunate. I'm not just saying this to be trite. I and, I, and I say we, whether Jeff Hewson, Ryan Spielborgs, Jenny Kavnar, Corey Sullivan, you know, all, all of our team and people you don't know and don't see, we love what we do. I mean, we're privileged to do it. Um, th- there's very few places I'd rather be than sitting in a booth and, and calling, uh, you know, a, a major league game and, and pulling for the Rockies, uh, you know, to do what they did in 17 and 18 and, and one day to, to do what they did in 07, get to the World Series and end up on top. But people ask me, so, man, after normally, after 162 games, you must be going into withdrawal symptoms. I'm like, no, I'm going to enjoy October and watch Major League Baseball in the playoffs. And this year, unfortunately, the Rockies are not involved. Um, and, and then – you know, I, I watch other things and I and I do other things. And, and I think too much of one thing is not good. Why do we love a certain sport? Because you get it and you and you and the lead up to having that sport in your life is there and then it goes away. And then there's a buildup. You can't wait to to get it back. But you need the break. So, yeah, I need the natural break, too, because it is day after day. And um you know, it's pretty intense and it uh, is unrelenting at times. Even though you love it, you do at times need a break. Now, this year I didn't need the break because we only did 60 games. But normally after 162, you say, okay, I need to catch my breath. Um, and it's like anything else, man. If you had Christmas every day, you'd say, I'm tired of getting gifts every day. I'm tired, you know, and you're never tired, hopefully, of giving and making people feel better. But um, it's why the spring football leagues, all of them that have come and gone, it doesn't work. When do we want our football primarily? We want it in the fall. We want to watch football then. We watch baseball in the spring, in the summer, and then the playoffs are in the early fall. And then we get a break and and we're excited when spring training rolls around. So that's my long-winded answer to that question um, that I get fairly frequently. It helps the heart grow fonder. All right. On Twitter, this is one that I get that um, I'm a little perplexed on. And and sometimes I'm like, hey, don't be lazy. And that is, hey, uh, and it happened in the middle of a broadcast. Um, Drew, can you uh, tell me how many home runs Willie Mays had at home in his career versus the road? 
Um, yeah, I probably could, but I'm right now trying to focus on this broadcast. And I believe since you're using social media, you could probably Google it and come up with the answer just like I would do. I get that one a lot. And that one is never ceases to amaze me. So I am going to be your shell answer, man. How about you become your own shell answer, man, and utilize that computer or smartphone that you have? Here's another one um, that I get quite a bit. And, and there are a few. We're going to do this periodically. Um, dumb questions that I get. And I can ask them dumb questions, too. So, you know, I can be guilty of this also. But anyhow, he, here's one that has been very prevalent this year. And, and I understand at one point where it emanates from. But on the other hand is use some common sense. Um, Subaru has been and continues to be a great sponsor of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet. And um, Subaru's great cars, in fact, uh, I, I think. Coloradans probably drive more Subarus than anywhere else in the country. I think that's a fact. But people say, how come we always refer to the Subaru strike zone? They pay, it's called a business, they pay a great deal of money to get a certain number of mentions in every ballgame to promote their product. And so I understand where you see, it seems like me and Jeff or, or, or when Spilly's in the booth, we mentioned the Subaru strike zone quite a bit. Well, that is how a business is run. And in the business of sports television, you have advertisers and you do deals with advertisers. So they get their product mentioned. They have features. That's how you pay your bills. Pretty simple. But so when people say, why, why is it mentioned so much? Or are you getting paid to mention it? No, we don't individually get paid by the number of mentions, but that's part of the deal. So when people on social media say, I'm tired of, I can't, you know, to understand that is no different than any other regional sports network, national sports entity. That's how you pay the bills. It's called a business. Okay. I'm glad I can get off my soapbox. Um, on that one. Next week, we're going to have more with Buddy Black. We look forward to that. Um, before I go, I will tell you the one thing that um, I, I'm glad is on, but I think misses the fans. The sport that misses the fans more than any other is college football. I love college football. I adore college football. Uh, I love calling college football. I love watching college football. Most Saturdays, uh, I wake up and, you know, I'll turn on ESPN game day and they're in, you know, Baton Rouge or they're in Auburn, Alabama, or they're in Happy Valley at Penn State. And there's, you know, tons of young people and, and uh, alum who are, you know, having a good time tailgating behind and cheering. And, and it's such, such a great, great atmosphere. And even though they are playing college football and there are, you know, a handful of fans in the stadium, you know, college game day is different. Um, the game looks different without the pageantry um, that normally exists. And I miss that. And that is where uh, I think more than any other sport, even though we missed it terribly in Major League Baseball this year, we miss it in the NFL. We miss it, you know, the NBA bubble and the NHL bubble and congrats to Tampa Bay in the same breath that I mentioned that. But I think the number one sport that misses it is college football. And when I watch college football, 
Um, I, I want to see that, man. I want to see the cutaways to, you know, the, the fans and, and the cutaways uh, to the tailgating and all the all that goes into college football. And I personally miss going up to Boulder or Fort Collins on the days I wasn't calling college football and tailgating with friends and then going into packed stadium and, and watching when the teams run out, man, my hair still stands on end. Um, so uh, I can't wait till that part of the sports world as much as any returns to normal and all of, uh, all of you and all of us can be back in the stadium. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast this week. Uh, Julie, I hope you're having a good time sunning yourself wherever you are. And uh, all of you folks, stay safe. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll have, again, part two of Buddy Black in a week on podcast number 65. We'll see the website, thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com. Take care, folks.